This episode of Where to Begin With will feature heavy spoilers of the movie Noroi the Curse from 2005. If you've never seen the movie before and you want to take part in this series by submitting a review for this movie, then hit stop right now. Go away, check the movie out, I believe it's on Shudder, and then come back and listen to the show. If, however, you've seen the movie before, or you really don't care, then continue listening on. Don't say you weren't warned. ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっと。ちょっ
formula for making millions upon millions of dollars. You just assume that lots of filmmakers out there would just go ahead and do it. And that wasn't the case. That's not to say that there aren't found footage examples. There are plenty throughout that time period. But none really grabbed the reins, so to speak. Until about 2005, where a director, Koji Shiriashi, releases a movie called Noroi, a.k.a. The Curse. And this movie is, to be honest, the first movie that really starts to kind of solidify an idea of the post-Blair Witch formula. Now, Paranormal Activity will grab that... I was going to say formula. will grab that idea and revert it right back to belts and braces, brass tacks, and back to the nitty-gritty template formula of the Blair Witch Project. But Nora the Curse uses the aesthetic of film footage to tell a very J-horror story. Once again, for context, by 2005, the J-horror boom, as we know it in the West, is kind of over. We've ridden the, the wave, the crest, of movies like Ringu, Audition, movies like The Grudge, Dark Water, movies like Pulse, and even gone into the slightly muckier territory of things like One Miss Call, Ichi the Killer. We've done these kind of weird J-horror tomes, and they've kind of fallen out of favour. 2005 is, it's out with the sphere of interest of when the movies are at their peak, which is why The Curse, a.k.a. Noroi, is such an important movie. Because what it does is it takes the idea of of timelines and different stories that interweave and connect each other that at a kind of tertiary level look superfluous, look disparate, and ties them all in to one narrative under an investigation. If you go back and look at a movie like Cure from 1997, you see that that movie on surface value feels like two separate stories that eventually interconnect and become one. It's kind of that old noir technique of the PI sitting down to crack the big case and then being distracted with something else he has to investigate and maybe something else he has to investigate and by the time he gets to the end of his case he realises that all three individual investigations are actually linked and by doing those he solved the case he was originally on. That's Noroi the Curse. You jump between what feels like very different timelines, very different subject matters, almost the way that the movie The Conspiracy that we discussed a couple episodes ago feels like a madman with a piece of paper just joining events that don't feel like they're even remotely connected together by string and saying, ah, but if you look really closely, you'll see see the threads that connect to all. You'll see the, the conspiracy underneath. Not always kind of like that, but it does it in a more supernatural bent, and that's where it kind of kicks ass. Uh, it's kind of crux, uh, it's, uh, it's foundation, at its core, so to speak. It is a mystery movie. It is a very simple mystery about a paranormal researcher who gets dragged into creating a documentary after you know many books and documentaries of his own called The Curse. And within, you know, a couple of weeks of doing said documentary, his house is burned down and his wife is found dead. He is never found, so the assumption is he has carried out the murder. And then what we do is we go back through 
the curse, the movie he made, the footage that he has, and start piecing together what feels like a case of, um, you know, a girl with psychic powers, and how that might lead to a supernatural event somewhere else. We follow reality TV shows, we follow kind of tired investigators, piecing together all these different elements together to bring a full story by the end. It's a really clever idea and on paper it shouldn't work as well as it does. In fact, it doesn't work well for a lot of viewers. Um, One of the kind of major criticisms I've heard about Noroi is that ultimately what you get from it is a bit of confusion because the viewer is either not paying full attention to the events that are happening in the, you know, in the story itself, or what they're doing is missing the angles that connect things up. So what feels like a series of bizarre little vignettes don't actually tie together. And I would hate that to be the experience that I have, because it's not the experience I have. What I have is a surprisingly clever constructed mystery and the mystery at its core as you carry along gives you elements of well is it camera trickery is it something supernatural is it people playing games can this be explained by kind of real world examples or is this taking us into the elements of the supernatural What Shiriashi does really well is that he allows his movie time to breathe. This is five minutes under two hours in runtime, which is long for a found footage movie. Most found footage movies know to stick the land in at about an hour and 20 to an hour and 30 minutes because they understand that the audience's interest is you're going to start to wane. They understand that you give them a big scare at the beginning, then lull them in with story, story, story. Big, climatic, impactful ending. Get them talking on the way at the door. Hopefully the audience don't think too much about your movie because when they start to, it all starts to fall apart. But if I can get them there, then I've achieved my mission. Nori doesn't play by those rules. It regularly builds up to kind of mini tense scares as the movie carries along and also sets up these huge set pieces that you assume are eureka moments in cracking the case but they're not they are like i said before on surface value disparate information that you yourself get caught up in the conspiracy of trying to work out how it works how it all fits together it's kind of like looking at a jigsaw puzzle but if you saw all the pieces in reverse so i know it fits but the image is backwards How do I I make the puzzle work? I mean, interestingly enough in that example, even if the pictures are backwards on a jigsaw, when the pieces still fit, you'll still get the same picture. Granted, the picture will be backwards, but they will still fit. But it's a kind of psychological distraction to the brain that the picture doesn't look the way it should on the box, and that's telling me how this should look, but this piece definitely fits in here and it's all wrong. That's the genius of Noroi. Noroi, like I said, is on its surface, lots of little stories, lots of little anecdotes. Part of an investigation is going down the different avenues and sometimes they bear fruit, sometimes they don't. Sometimes you can spend weeks investigating something that you think is the key 
to solving something, only to find that that actually was a red herring. Uh, it's taking up the garden path. And that, once again, is one of the, the genius elements of Noroi. Also has great acting. This is one of these ones that's blessed with some kind of phenomenal acting. Kobayashi, who is the the kind of main antagonist, protagonist. He starts off definitely as a protagonist, but by the end of the movie, you know, he's, he's become a bit of an antagonist. Um, he's, he's a great actor. And you feel compelled to follow him through. What I also like about this is it goes through the absurdity of Japanese TV. When I was in Japan in 2009 in Tokyo, I watched a bit of their TV and it's loud, it's bright, and it's nonsensical, if I'm honest. Like, you almost feel like you're trapped in some sort of fever dream trying to work out exactly one, what the purpose of the game show you're watching what this character's done in this sitcom or what they're actually trying to convey in their advertisements other than this is the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. Oh, wait one second, it's advertising kids' candy. That's kind of the the interesting elements we've done to this. We do kind of bizarre TV exposés into the supernatural and they're loud and colourful and those things that we associate on YouTube clips of Japanese TV. But we also hit some of that kind of the ghost story, you know, the, the people walking, ghost investigations, clips as well. We actually have the main documentarian himself carrying through. So we've got all these different styles I'm bringing in, which I actually think grounds it. It's not one tone, one sound, one style from start to finish. It does feel like someone clutching for pieces to make the puzzle work, to make the picture reveal itself. Now, Nora the Curse was not a success by any stretch of the imagination. It actually didn't do much impact on the West at all. Back in circa 2007-2008, I had a small blog page that I used to write movie reviews for. And at the time, the kind of leaked copy of Paranormal Activity was doing the rounds with the original ending. You could find it if you sailed the high seas, which I certainly did at the time. And what I wanted to do was a month looking at what I classed as the, you know, the resurgence of found footage. Movies in that group were things like Poughkeepsie Tapes, which came out, you know, some, what, a year and a half after Nora the Curse. Nora the Curse was definitely on that list. I did The Blair Witch Project, uh, The Last Broadcast, and what I found looking at that was the one that stood out most to me was Nora the Curse. It was a movie that wasn't like the others, but I, I would be damned if I could find anyone that had watched it, anyone that knew anything about it, out with, you know, small articles online. And the movie slowly found traction in the last seven, eight years with kind of word of mouth, specifically horror web zines, posting about it, your Dread Centrals, your Bloody Disgustings, you know, they then make mention of, you know, if you watch five found footage movies this Halloween, make sure, and Nora the Curse has started to slowly edge its way into the conversation, which, I'll be honest, makes me very happy. It's now on Shudder, so anyone with a Shudder subscription can watch it, so it's getting more eyes on it, and being a member of different Shudder pages on Facebook, for example, I, you know, at least once a week, will come across a post where someone is sitting down and watching Nora the Curse for the first time. And it's interesting, even with a quote-unquote smarter audience, we still have the same 
dim the middle, this movie works, it's really clever, it's genius and it's scary, or it just feels too bizarre and it doesn't tie up and I kind of got confused, I got lost watching it, I didn't like it, it didn't scare me. And those are the majority of the two camps. Yeah, of course there's those that straddle the fence in between. That's every movie, regardless how polarising, but it's primarily one camp or the other. To me, it totally works. Coming back to watch it for this review, I I appreciate the craft that's involved with this one. It's a slightly higher class of film footage slash full documentary movie. And its staying power to me is in its creepiness. I, th- I think this movie, if watched in the dark, is genuinely creepy. Yes, there's some not-so-great CGI that wasn't great in 2005 and is less great in 2021, but the aesthetic, the feel, the vibe, evokes the best of the J-horror subgenre of horror, that way where they just seem to tap into that vein of unsettling, uncomfortable cinema without really having to flex that much. Nor of the Curse is a movie that I think will continue to find an audience, It's not as flashy and loud as a paranormal activity by any stretch of the imagination. It's not as groundbreaking as a movie like Blair Witch Project, nor does it need to be. What is at its core is it's taking the the genre of horror that was palatable to cinema goers in Japan of the era that was gaining a bit of traction in the West, and it just took the ideas and transferred it to a different aesthetic, which is where film footage is at its best. It's when people can take stories that you are used to seeing somewhere else and given it a kind of lo-fi handheld camera approach, you insert the audience behind the camera as opposed to following the actor. I think this movie's great. I genuinely can't wait to hear what you guys made of it. But before we get to that, we have to do some business. And that business is to sit down and find out what you guys made of last month's choice. Now, this episode is dropping quite a bit later than originally planned. I think we're about three weeks behind on this one. I do a show called The Podcast Under The Stairs. I imagine most listeners have come across from that, but if you are one of the few in the proud that listen to the Teapots Collective, not Podcast Under The Stairs, you will have realised that there's been a lack of productivity on this channel for about a month, and that's because podcast under the stairs every summer does a massive summer series um, I've watched close to 250 movies reviewed 120 of them over a 10 week period and as a result some of the shows on this channel get pushed back a little bit I'm trying my hardest to make sure that it doesn't happen year on year but sadly it always does it's inevitable and I just have to deal with it so this episode is coming a little bit later than planned but you got your reviews in anyway of creep which was last week's choice from 2014 so let me give you some of the information on that one there starting off with a written review which came in from our buddy tim walker he says dear duncan and teapots collective people well curmudgeon tim has returned albeit not for the movie club but for where to begin with creep from 2014 i really don't like this movie Those of you who love it might start screaming at your cell phone or throwing something, but I promise I'm not trying to be a contrarian or just to piss people off. This movie just didn't work for me. At all. Actually, the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to hate it. I saw it soon after it came out in 2014 and I didn't like it then. I didn't hate it, 
It just bored me and I didn't get what everyone else got from it. To me, it was just an hour and a half, 97 minutes to be exact, of a guy making goofy faces, awkward and boring conversations, pointless and ineffective jump scares and an extremely predictable story. I mean, come on, obviously the guy's a killer. Is, is it not a horror movie? They would have had to have one hell of a twist to make it a horror if he's totally innocent. He's obviously a killer who uses the pretense on a regular basis. It may be a shock to others, but I thought it was more than a bit predictable. That's a lot of the factors that don't work for a viewer. I didn't watch it again for this review to be giving it a... F- I did watch this to be given it a fair hearing. I thought that plenty of the other films improved on a second watch right. Surely this movie just can't be 97 minutes of a guy with a goofy grin making faces with an occasional pointless jump scares. I had to have been exaggerating. My memories couldn't have been accurate. There had to be more to the movie than that. As it turned out, I probably shouldn't have given this movie a second watch because after that, I'm even more convinced I was right the first time. If anything, I was too nice to the movie the first time. I just don't get what everyone thinks is so great about Creep. It's just awkward, boring and unfunny, even when it's trying to be funny, and I find Mark Duplass to be incredibly irritating throughout. Plus, there's a predictability. Also, though it might be a touch unfair, I think the other guy, the documentarian Aaron, is kind of a dumbass. The ending especially just had me shaking my head. Really? You think this guy might be a psychopath and you're going to go and meet him? With nobody around? And not even look around you to make sure that he doesn't sneak up on you. Jesus. Frustrating as hell. This movie doesn't work for me on any level. Some movies just aren't your thing and this is definitely not mine. I don't think I'll ever understand all the love for this movie but that's okay. Some people just don't get all the love I have. Or for found footage or full documentary movies like Late Mungo or Savage Land. Into each their own. Creep is just not for me. I will not be watching it again. Oh well. On the brighter side, I'll say without giving too much away that the next movie for Where To Begin With will probably not feature Curmudgeon Tim. Even if it doesn't improve on another watch, I think it's a safe bet. Take care Duncan and Teapot's collective people and don't trust mumblecore weirdos who make funny faces and are always trying to scare you. Tim. Thank you very much for your review, Tim. I I mean, I could try and articulate why the movie works for me, but I have a sneaky suspicion it's not going to make a difference. And plus, I don't want to make a difference. It's not my job to convince you to enjoy a movie. It either resonates with you or it doesn't. It's the beauty of cinema. Right, The second and final review comes in from our buddy David Garrett Jr. This is an audio review and David says... Hello Duncan and T-Puts Collective listeners. David Garrett Jr. here once again for where to begin with found footage and mockumentaries. As this time around it is Creep from 2014. Now this is a movie that I had sought out because I needed to see the sequel when I was doing a year-end list when I first started doing them. So I hadn't watched this one as of yet. I had heard about it, you know, thanks to podcasts and everything like that. And I saw it pop it up on Netflix. But I ended up watching these, you know, pretty much back-to-back for a, you know, double feature where if I didn't watch them in the same night, I'm pretty sure I watched them, you know, a day apart or everything like that. 
And I was also glad, Duncan, as I said in the previous review, that you selected this one because it allowed me to double dip as I'm working through the Summer Challenge series, you know, total list and everything. Because I'd only seen this movie that one time after it came out. So what I actually think works well for this movie here is the believability of the found footage film where we have Aaron who, you know, answers an ad and it seems easy enough, you know, $1,000 to go and record this guy for like eight hours of his time. I, if I, you know, had the equipment to do stuff, I would be more than willing to do this, but I'm kind of glad that I don't have the equipment. But from the beginning, Joseph seems to be off and it could be that he's just socially awkward. It is kind of sweet and sad for, you know, the reason that he is hiring him as it's kind of an interesting idea here where Joseph says at first that he has, you know, cancer and wants to do kind of like Michael Keaton does in My Life where he's going to create this like video diary for his unborn child. But it's from there that he really starts to pressure Aaron into staying and that's where the nightmare really begins. And what I kind of think works well here is that if you're paying attention, there's little cracks in Joseph's story that made me kind of pause the first time that I saw it and even more after the second viewing. Now the character of Joseph is where I want to kind of go next here. At first he just seems like a weird guy and I kind of found it interesting that Joseph keeps scaring Aaron with different things and a lot of it's just, you know, popping out where it almost seems like jump scares, but I mean, I know people who will do stuff like this and I mean, they get on my nerves and part of that could be, again, that they're just kind of awkward. And I will say that Aaron is on edge from the beginning, which he kind of should be. This all makes sense in reality and... You know, one of the things that kind of really starts to get under my skin is, you know, where he starts to do like the, where Joseph is etching the initials into a tree, you know, shows him to this heart-shaped rock. Some of this stuff can make sense, but some of it is, once again, just making things even weirder. And another thing that I kind of noticed is when they go to the diner and Joseph is going about on about how great the pancakes are there, but then when they get there, you can almost feel that he's never seen the menu and he's never really been to this place. And, I mean, he gives these logical explanations that disarm Aaron. But when I'm sitting there going, well, that's kind of weird is that, you know, he should know this. And, I mean, some of this is from my first time viewing. And then the second time around, I'm kind of looking for this stuff as well. We also get this darker thing here with the story that is told about the peach fuzz mask and what he did, you know, save his marriage. Joseph is unreliable, so it's kind of hard to pick out what's true and what is a lie. But I don't think this movie would work as well if we don't have good acting. I think both performances here are pretty much on point for the most part. Aaron is, you know, our rational person. You know, he is us in this movie. Being that this is a horror movie, though, he doesn't necessarily know that he is in one. So I can see how he is get disarmed, you know, here and there. I don't necessarily know if Patrick Bryce is great, though. I do notice a few times where I think he does overact a bit. I'm not going to hold it against the movie too much as he does feel real enough. I will say, though, is that Mark Duplass's performance in here is great for me. I love how he plays this role of Joseph. I feel bad for him at first, and the more that you get to know him, the more uneasy he makes you, and it's just great to see where the character ends up. So the last things I want to kind of go into here would be the cinematography effects and soundtrack. For the former being found footage, I think it works. I can understand why things are being filmed, especially because Aaron is a videographer, and I'm just assuming these people just by nature will film a lot of things that might be just kind of mundane to other people. And I mean, he's also being hired for this, so I can see. And then there's also times where he's also creating documents. So if he can, you know, use it later on and just show things like why this guy is being weird. So he's also doing it to protect himself. There's not a lot in the way of effects, but it doesn't necessarily need it because this is a more psychological film. What we do get looks good there. And I'll commend that the soundtracks are really just kind of from the world that we are recording here. So it adds a sense of realism. So in conclusion here, I think this is a solid film overall. 
I like how these two characters make everything feel real, and the performances really do help with that. I think all the other kind of ancillary stuff do make that sense of realism for a found footage movie like we get here. I don't know if I'll ever go much higher than I am now. I really enjoy this, but I also feel like it's kind of just an above-average film for me. So, Duncan, my rating here for Creek from 2014 is going to be a 4 out of 5 on the T-Put scale. And I'm also glad to hear that the next movie selected is Nori the Curse, because this is actually one that I watched just recently, so I should be good, you know, to, you know, get a review and everything like that when, you know, that is going to be needed. Can't wait to hear the episode and hear what everybody else's thoughts are on Creep. This is David Garrett Jr., and I am signing off. And thank you very much to David for submitting in his review. Always great to hear from you, my friend. So there we go. You have a mission now, ladies and gents. Your mission is to get in your review for Noroi, The Curse. Now, granted, we're running a bit late here, but I do still want to get this episode before the end of the month. So what you have is an ambitious timescale to get this done. What I'm looking from you guys out there is to get your review of Noroi the Curse into me no later than Monday the 25th of October. So that's Monday the 25th of October. The episode will drop on Friday the 29th of October with the series finishing in November and your reviews of the final movie coming in in a bonus episode in December. So yeah, Monday the 25th of October for your reviews of Noroi the Curse. Excellent. Glad to have uh, caught up on that one. And now it's where we go with the final review. Now, I'll be honest, originally what I was looking for was something that we could all kind of coalesce around. Something that kind of made sense to me to cover. And obviously Blair Witch Project has been in the back of my head since we started. But I also felt like the most obvious title. And also, we kind of did Paranormal Activity and at that point I feel like we've kind of covered it. I was also toying with the idea of maybe doing a little bit of work on the last broadcast but to be honest I've covered that movie more times than I care to admit overall which brings me to where we go with our final review on this one and I think what felt right to me is going for a like a bona fide classic but a very uncomfortable and at times very disturbing dark comedy mockumentary what I've decided to do for the final movie on this one as part of our found footage, our full documentaries and mockumentaries, is put forward Man Bites Dog from 1992. That'll be your final movie review coming on the next episode. I'll be giving you the review and then you'll be doing it. It's your final review overall for the season and like I say, that'll come in as a bonus episode in December. So there we go. Man Bites Dog will be the final movie on where to begin with season two and a last reminder get your reviews in for Nora the Curse to me Monday the 25th of October and that's the episode ladies and gents looking forward to hearing your reviews and thank you to both Tim and David for sending in your reviews of Creep I will speak to you all at the end of the month and we'll be bringing in the final movie review from myself of the season but until then take care out there until the next time